and a happy Thursday to you and yours. He's Andrew Gribble. I'm Jason Gibbs, and we welcome you to the debut of the BPA podcast, otherwise known as the best podcast available. It's the first of 11 episodes as we count you down and get you ready for the 2019 NFL Draft. Coming up on today's episode, NFL Network's Charles Davis joins us to preview the NFL Combine. We play a little factor fiction with the Z that stands for Zagura, and we take a look at the latest mock drafts and so much more. But first off, Gribbs, it's officially draft season, and it feels a little strange here in Berea because, well, we don't have the top pick in this year's draft, and we have our quarterback. Yeah, you know, this is a, an interesting time to introduce a draft podcast because in years past, you know, this was especially last year, you're talking about the Browns entering the draft with the number one pick, the number four pick, and, and all sorts of ammunition and, and assets in those first couple rounds, and it really did kind of set the set this team up for great success in the following years now you know the browns are right in the middle at, at number 17 with with this year's draft i mean as low as low as this team has been in the draft pre-trades they've drafted lower than 17 after a series of trades uh, unfortunate trades typically that have brought them down to that level but as low as they've been in years uh going into a, a draft but you also do have a decent amount of picks with 10 picks uh, the most notable extra pick being that Patriots third rounder, which happens to be near the end of the, of the third round now. But having that kind of artillery, it might not be 10 picks by the time we get to the draft. I think John Dorsey can make some some moves here to, to potentially add more talent to this team. But a year you go into a draft of 10 picks, that's a draft you should be excited about, especially when you have the general manager with the track record that John Dorsey has. It is definitely exciting. It will be a little different. Browns fans are used to, I think, going to bed – before uh, we will actually pick this year, <laughs> yeah. unless we trade up or uh, whatever the case might be. But, you know, it's still one of those opportunities where you take a look and it's your opportunity to draft a player, get them for four or five years, develop them into what you want them to be, and hopefully you're taking that next step and making a run at the playoffs here in 2019. Well, this is very different in the regard that not only are you drafting lower and, and the quality of players is going to go down, but you look at the last two drafts, you essentially controlled who you were getting in that first round each of the last two years. Because uh, 2017, obviously, you had the first pick. You got the best player you wanted, Miles Garrett. Last year, you had the first pick. You got Baker Mayfield. And on top of that, you had the fourth pick, Use, and you used it on a player that going into the draft you're probably 99% sure was not going to be taken before you drafted number four in Denzel Ward. I mean, you had a you had a good feeling he was going to be around there. But now at number 17 in a draft that is light on quarterback talent uh, and a lot of teams ahead of you with very similar needs, I think we're going to be watching the activities of other teams maybe more so than we have in years past cause, because ultimately – you can, you can have your board, but you can ultimately miss out on the guy you really wanted simply because the team in front of you took him. They like to call it best player available. Yeah, We like to call it the best podcast available. But those words, best player available, may never ring more true than this year in the draft for the Browns. Yeah, unless it's a quarterback. I mean, that's the one position you can officially eliminate in the first round for this team. I do that think such I nice do, I do think a quarterback will be taken by the end of this draft. It's just not going to happen in the first round. And – but but you should keep an eye on the quarterbacks for this reason, and that is 
the more teams that go after quarterbacks, the more teams that trade up for quarterbacks, like you saw last year with four quarterbacks going in before number 17 and another one going later in the draft, the more quarterbacks that go ahead of 17, the better quality of player the Browns are going to get at number 17 because odds are those quarterbacks are not as talented of overall players as some of these guys that are going to slip uh, down to number 17. Like Just referencing, you look at Todd McShay's mock draft last week, he puts a guy like Christian Wilkins to the Browns at 17, but he says in his kind of bullet points, this guy is a top 10 to 12 player in this year's draft. I mean, that's a result of teams drafting quarterbacks because they need quarterbacks, not because they're the best player available. Yeah, no question about it. And we'll get into some of those mock drafts coming up uh, a little bit later on. A lot of quarterback talk indeed. Let's get started first and foremost though with the latest news this week when it comes to the 2019 NFL Draft. And the very first story concerns uh, a guy that uh, some people were mocking to the Browns in those famous mock drafts that we will get to. Former Mississippi State defensive lineman Jeffrey Simmons, a projected first-round pick in the NFL Draft, suffered a knee injury during a training exercise that uh, we believe now is a torn ACL. Simmons, rated as the number 12 overall draft prospect in the latest big board from ESPN's Mel Kuyper. Here's a guy that had a lot of sizzle, wasn't allowed to go to the combine, uh, had a lot of news around him, and now who knows what happens here with his stock. Yeah, I mean, it's probably too early to say this, but you would think that this knocks him out of the first round. I think that's a, a safe bet, maybe because he wasn't going to be a guaranteed top 10 pick to begin with. You tack on the high school issue that was going to maybe uh, give some teams some reluctancy at the same time. And also, the timing of this injury, it essentially wipes out the 2019 season for this player. Maybe you get him, maybe you put him on that IR designator return, you get him back for the last six, five games, but even then you might just want to hold off and put him on ice for the remainder of the season. I went back and looked up a player who this maybe had a similar circumstance, and this happened a couple years ago in the draft. Uh, I know the easy one would be Jalen Smith, but that guy was a top five player. Period. Period, with no other issues, no off-field issues, great guy. Not saying Jeffrey Simmons isn't a great guy, but had no character concerns. The guy this reminded me of was Sidney Jones, the defensive back from Washington, projected consistently in the mid-first round going into the draft, he tears his Achilles at his pro day, which is a more serious injury than an ACL, especially for the cornerback position. But he still went 43rd in the draft, which would be higher than where the Browns are picking at in the second round. So that, to me, seems like the ballpark for Jeffrey Simmons if this is just a standard ACL tear because he is a super talented player at a very important position for a lot of teams where they're really, you really don't – there's more teams that need players like Jeffrey Simmons than there are teams that need quarterbacks right now. He is a very talented player who fits in all types of schemes and would help anyone. So I would expect a second round if all this kind of holds true and there's no other further developments. Lance Zerline, a friend of show from the NFL Network, uh, has reportedly talked to about four or five front office people that said for sure he's falling out of the first round, but probably not falling out of the second round. So that would lend credence to going 43rd or somewhere somewhere in that mid to upper second round. But if you're the Browns, can you really afford to take a guy that isn't going to play for a whole year? Yeah, I mean, that's, that where, that's when you look at teams. Like, if he were someone that fell into the third round, 
that's especially for the Browns when you have multiple picks in that in that round. Then you use then I see you using a pick on that kind of guy. The team I look out for when it comes to Simmons, and this would actually go against what I just said about the second round, is I look at the Raiders. I mean, they've got three first round picks. The last two are at the bottom of that first round because they made trades with teams that turned out to be really good, and so they are in obviously a big rebuild. They don't necessarily think they're going to probably compete for much in 2019. <laughs> I mean, maybe they use one of those late first round picks or their early second round pick, which they obviously have as well. So that they're they're another team that you could see. It's you got to look at these teams with picks, not necessarily to burn, but they're kind of these gravy picks that these teams have acquired, and you're not really relying on them to contribute right away. Well, some tough luck there for Jeffrey Simmons. We wish him well and hopefully a quick recovery. You never want to see a kid before realizing his dreams have the ultimate injury that sidelines you, and you know, hopefully it doesn't deter the young man's career. The other news of the week, Kyler Murray is indeed going to play football instead of baseball. Um, this is where things get real interesting when it comes to mocking up the draft here right now and where he may or may not go. Uh, I mean, a lot of teams all of a sudden now, he's considered a top 10 pick in a lot of mock drafts. And I, I'm sorry, I, I don't know if I buy that. I think, is he, he got a first-round talent? Yeah, I think he's probably a first-round talent because teams need quarterbacks. But I don't know about a top 10, but I sure looks in the early going here that if he can nail his pro day, there's going to be a lot of buzz for this guy in the top 10. Yeah, and I think when it pertains to the Browns, I mean, I think a lot of us are probably skeptical of, of Kyler Murray, and I think that a lot of us shudder when he's compared to Baker Mayfield because Baker Mayfield's our guy, and we don't think anyone's as good as, as Baker Mayfield. And I think that we, it, we don't want to say that Kyler – just showed that Oklahoma's a system because clearly Baker's already proven it in the NFL. It's, it takes more than just playing for Oklahoma to make it work in the NFL. So, But Browns fans should be rooting for this guy to go top 15, top 10. That, again, Definitely. Takes a, take, brings a better player down to you. And I think that I'm of the opinion that he would not have made this decision if he didn't have good intel that he was going to go in the top round. Because the difference between first-round money and second-round money is huge in this slotted system. And, and he was... He's if he's going in that first round, that first half of the first round, that limit that validates his decision. He's getting more guaranteed money than he would have gotten playing baseball, and that that kind of moves forward. There still is no guarantee that he follows through and plays football after he's drafted. He could do this a second time and not go to the team. I think the A's are holding out hope, and the one way that that happens, I would think, is if he falls out of the first round. That then it becomes a risk. Sure. You're a team in the second round. Are you really going to pick this guy and? and not be sure if he's going to play for you, it's something that will be considered. But I've got to believe if he's making his decision right now that he's all in and thinking he's going to be a top 10. Yeah, it will be very interesting, and we'll get to some of the mock drafts a little bit later on here in the podcast. The other bit of news, it's a, it's a little bit of news, but still it, it's great. Fans are going to have more access to the NFL Combine. ABC set to air two hours of the NFL Combine, which uh, comes up in less than two weeks from now. The ABC coverage expected to include quarterback and wide receiver workouts. The coverage team set to include Trey Wingo, Mel Kuyper Jr., among other familiar faces from ESPN. Just more ways that people and fans can consume the NFL product and get a glimpse of the NFL Combine. Yeah, I do think they're a year late on this, though. Last year's quarterback class would have drawn a lot more eyeballs than this Correct. one. I mean, this is, again, Kyler Murray, that's their one guy that's probably going to drive ratings, but 
are people tuning in for Daniel Jones and Drew Locke uh, the, the same way they would have for Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold? Absolutely I mean, it's just not. a totally different year. But again, I mean, that's that's what shows this. This used to be a niche event, and it that's as of like six years ago. I mean, it's ever since I started covering the combine, which I believe my first year was 2013 when I was still covering Alabama. It was so much smaller than it is even now. What we're going into, they've yeah. changed rooms. It used to be in the in the concourse of of, of Lucas Oil. Now it's Cram just in a, all now in. it's in the convention center. They keep us away from from the stadium because it, it was too small. You couldn't handle the the media crush that was happening. And I think going you know a little inside this, but for people like us, especially now that we're going into this guessing as much as we have in years. I mean, we we can ignore the quarterbacks, which is something we couldn't say the last couple of years, and we can ignore these guys who are locks to go in the top ten. Uh, the, the most important part of this is this really, outside of the uh, unscheduled press conferences that seem to pop up here every now and then, this is usually the first you hear from these coaches and GMs since the Super Bowl. And that's that. Those are the days that draw that generate the biggest amount of news. I mean, and it's almost it's a funny thing. You go to the combine to focus on the draft, and almost all people are talking about at the draft is free agency. And I think that that's where a lot of these meetings happen off the books with between representatives yep. and teams, or, or teams start to get a feel of who they should even set up meetings with. I mean, this is an important week for the league, and it's. On the field, it's all about the draft, but behind the scenes in Indy, I think it's all about free agency. All right, so that's the latest news surrounding the NFL draft. Right now, it's time for our Expert of the Week interview. This week on the inaugural edition of the program, we're proud to welcome in Charles Davis from the NFL Network and Fox Sports to the podcast. You can catch Charles on NFL Network's coverage of the NFL Combine Friday, March 1st through Monday, March the 4th. Charles, appreciate the time today, and it's another year and getting ready for another big draft, and I know it's early. What are the big storylines you're looking at as we approach here, the scouting combine and the NFL draft? Yeah, it it is early, but at the same time, you you guys know as well as anyone, does the draft ever really truly sleep? (laughs) Very true. Right? No matter what's going on during the season, we end up somehow – in a lot of ways, relating things back to what can happen in the draft, how this guy's, how this team's draft changed its fortunes. I mean, you guys are a great example of that. Just think about the last few drafts you've had and the number of terrific players that have come out of it and helped reshape, reshape the, the, the nature of this team and where it's headed. And I think all fran- you know, fans of all franchises always look to the draft first to say, okay, this is where our team can make its most improvement, or this, or, or we can we can draft this guy. Our hope goes goes out, you know, goes through the roof, and that's kind of how the whole thing works, especially when teams are struggling during the season and the whole deal. So, in a nutshell, as we began this draft process, we were talking about big people, weren't we? Offensive, defensive linemen, especially defensive linemen, at the top of the draft. And you guys remember drafted Miles Garrett number one. Well, could it be another Bosa? This time, Nick Bosa, could he be the number one overall pick out of Ohio State? There's a good chance that that can happen. But in the last 24 to 36 hours, I think the draft got one of those boosts that you're always looking for because no matter how we cut it, no matter how many times, how many other great players there are, it always comes back to quarterbacks, doesn't it? And when Kyler Murray said he was all in for the NFL, that really jolted things in a big way where I think people stood up and said, okay, where's this kid going to go? 
and that's our intrigue. Because last year it was all about the quarterbacks. How many quarterbacks would go in the first round? Who would go first off the board? How many of them would play right away? This year, quarterbacks are always a story, but they weren't the same. The sizzle wasn't even close until Murray declared that he was going all in for football. So to me, that changed things in a big way. Charles, it's early with with Kyler Murray in the process, but I, I imagine he wouldn't have made this decision unless he didn't think he was going to go in the in the first yeah. round. Do you do you think there's a good chance he goes in the top half of the first round, which would then affect uh, the Browns and dropping yeah. a, another talented player their way? Yeah, I think you're right, and I, I think you raise an excellent point. I do think he'll go in the top half of the first round. I do think that he decided to go in this direction, not just because he loves football, but exactly what you said. He believes he'll be one of those those early-line quarterbacks picked. He's going to go in the hopper, as you know, with look, Drew Locke out of Missouri when we started the season may have been the guy that, that most people were saying was the top-rated guy. As the season unfolded, I think Dwayne Haskins from Ohio State became a huge part of this process. And, of course, as Kyler Murray went on and won the Heisman Trophy, that led to the next thing. And let's just be frank about it. Five to ten years ago, would we still be talking about Kyler Murray as being in the top half of this draft? Probably not, right, because of size. Well, Russell Wilson, Baker Mayfield, Drew Brees, Fran Tarkenton before them, Eddie LeBaron before them. They have now proven, and a lot of people, if we go back and do revisionist history or look back in history, we just go, well, we probably blew it without giving Doug Flutie a full shot. Okay? So now here's where we, here's where we are. Those guys have proven conclusively that size isn't everything in terms of height, that you can play at different sizes in this league, and Kyler Murray come out of the same system that Baker came out of, followed up with a Heisman Trophy like Baker won, you know, with with every other requisite ability that you have, I think now it's cleared the way for GMs to pick a guy of Kyler Murray's stature and not worry that if it doesn't work out, that's why you lose your job. Because, you know, a lot of people pick out of fear as much as they pick out of optimism. You know what I mean? They go, oh, God, what pick can I make that if it doesn't work, they will roast me the least for, right? <laughs> as opposed to going... Which guy's going to help my team win the most bunch of games? <laughs> you know, and yeah. that's what we get. And now, these other guys have cleared the way. I think GMs can pick a Kyler Murray without the same fear as, oh my God, you picked the smallest quarterback in the history of the league. Now they go, you know, you might have picked the top guy, and that's a whole different mindset. Charles, I'll shift the focus to kind of the Browns and players that have been pointed their direction. And a guy that made a lot of noise this week was DK Metcalf out of Ole Miss and the picture yeah. that leaked of him. <laughs> when you look at that picture, I mean, it's obviously impressive what he's done to his body, but does, does that worry you at all about how big he's gotten? It really doesn't, you know, because I've seen these guys with these physiques before. I would be worried if he showed up at the Combine and ran 4-7. <laughs> But that physique, if he shows up the combine and he's running what we expect him to run, I don't worry about that part at all. The only question you you have, and it's a natural question, is what did he do to get that big? Right? I mean, let's just yeah. be, you know, you put it on the table because you know it's going to be discussed behind closed doors. You know they're going to ask. But I'm not, I don't come from the idea that I view with a lot of suspicion. I look at a guy who spent a lot of time in the weight room and got himself right. He has not gotten overly big, I don't think, a la, remember David Boston? Oh, yeah. 
And all right, you remember the year he had, and then the next year he came back, and he looked like he should be rushing off the edge, <laughs> and he was never the same guy. You remember Kelly Washington out of Tennessee, another mm-hmm. guy with a monster physique, and never played to that level because I think he got overly big. I saw Metcalf this past summer, and he was already a big guy. He looks cut up and chiseled, not swollen and bloated. And that's what I like about what I see from him. So I don't worry about that until I see a stopwatch that says, hey, 472, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> now we got some questions to ask. But if that stopwatch says anything in the 4 or 5 range, look out, folks. Charles, offensive line, defensive line. Obviously two big, big positions. Who are some guys uh, outside of the Bosa's that are going to be gone in the, you know, the first couple guys that really could be there at 17 for the Browns when they pick on opening night? Well, you want to start O-line or D-line? Which, which way is best? We can go O-line line real quick. Want to go O-line real quick? I would say, you know, if, if you're looking, talking about the interior, I saw some centers that were pretty darn good at the Senior Bowl, and it's going to be pick your pick how you want to go about it. Because I really thought that the kid out of um, NC State, Bradbury, really good player. Much more of a mover type of an offensive center, if you know what I'm saying. Like that zone zone blocking guy. But Elton Jenkins from Mississippi State, he moves people. That's a lot of man now. Okay, 310 pounds. I thought inside, there's a kid out of Boston College who caught mine named Chris Lindstrom, offensive guard. I saw him line up in the backfield as a lead fullback a couple of years ago in the pinstripe bowl. So you know not only can he move people, but he can move himself. And then you start talking about these Wisconsin offensive linemen always, right? <laughs> You're always talking about Wisconsin offensive linemen, Michael Dieter, Ben Bo, you know, Bo, Bo Benchel, you know, guys of that nature. But you're going to see a number of other players. Cody Ford from Oklahoma. Is he a guard? Is he a tackle? Which way is he going to go? Eric McCoy from Texas A&M, center guard that, that, that may be someone. You know, a kid named Michael Jordan. No, not the guy in the Nike. Not the guy jumping over people. An offensive center guard. So you've got a lot of different ways to go with this draft. But those are some of the guys that caught my eye. And then when you get to the tackles, you know, is it Jonah Williams? Some people think might be dropping a little bit out of Alabama. Greg Little was a lot of people thought he'd be the first guy off the board out of Mississippi. Many thought he didn't have the year he needed to have last year. But you talk about a kid who made a move with Andre Dillard from Washington State, their left tackle. He's not a mauler, not a guy going to put you on your back very often, but he positions you, runs you past the quarterback, and keeps your quarterback from getting hit. And isn't that the name of the game in the NFL right now? And a guy that I absolutely love is Dalton Reisner from Kansas State. Played tackle, played some interior-wise at K-State. He might be a candidate like they did with Cody Whitehead, or excuse me, Whitehair, who's with the Bears now, to be an All-American tackle in college and move back inside when he gets to the NFL. Whitehair's playing center for the Bears, which is a great spot for him. Reisner can play center. Some people see him as a guard. Give me two guys defensively that could be there at 17 for the Browns on that defensive line. Well, at 17, you know, I think a lot of people were wondering about where Jeffrey Simmons was going to go from Mississippi State. Now we've had the, the report about the knee injury. A lot of people had him as a top 10 guy. He might still be sitting there. And if you have the flavor to be able to say, you know something, 17 isn't too early for a guy coming off a of knee surgery, and my reward might be really big later, that could be that could be a spot for him because I think he's a top ten type of a player. I know there's been some talk about off field stuff, but when you watch him, 
We've talked about Montez Sweat as running mate the defensive end. This kid's a better player to me. So coming off the ACL, a lot of people automatically are thinking, well, he's going to go second round, third round, what have you. Look, you said they're a 17 with a good good team around him. That might be a guy that you might want to take, go ahead and take a run at while you got an opportunity. And if you talk about guys coming off the edge, you know, if you talk about 17, this polite kid out of Florida is really starting to catch people's eyes. Charles, appreciate the time, man, and uh, we look forward to seeing you in Indy and seeing you on the NFL Network and uh, the NFL Network's draft coverage and combine coverage, my friend. All the best to you. Hey, the same to you guys, and look forward to seeing you in the, real, in the near future, okay? Special thanks to Charles Davis from the NFL Network and Fox. Uh, a great guy. Guy knows his stuff. Looking forward to seeing him have a little bit bigger role in the draft coverage on NFL Network as we approach the NFL draft, especially with Mike Mayock moving on to uh, become the GM and Daniel Jeremiah moving up. It looks like uh, Charles Davis, that next guy up uh, for the NFL Network. Never shortchanges you on content, though. The guy put a quarter in him and he can go. We could have filled multiple podcasts with with him. I would agree 110%. You can follow Charles on Twitter at CFD22. We appreciate his time today. From one star to another, we now welcome in the Z that starts with Zagura, as in Nathan Zagura from the Cleveland Browns Daily, to help us out with a little game we like to play called Fact or Fiction. Good afternoon, sir. Good afternoon. Great to be with you guys on the best podcast available, BPA. I'm excited. Let's go. All right. Let's go with a little fact or fiction. Fact or fiction. Fact or fiction number one, defensive tackle should be the Browns' number one priority in this year's draft. Mr. Gribble. Uh, I'll go with fact on this one because I think it's it's not only a position where you can really get better. Uh, I, I just think it's also a position in the draft that is absolutely loaded with talented players who can make an immediate impact, and it is the future of the National Football League, bringing pass rush up the middle is what really disrupts these quick moving offenses so that is a big old fact for me I'm gonna say fiction and it not so much with the subject matter but the wording of the question should I'm not gonna tell John Dorsey what he should or should not be doing in the draft that being said I do think defensive tackle or inside linebacker perhaps because it's a very talented linebacker class as well probably are the positions that would be at the top of John Dorsey's board. So I'm going to say fiction just because I'm not going to tell the man Dorsey who's on a heater what to do. But defensive tackle is deep in this draft class uh, where the Browns pick at 17. I think you'll have a good opportunity to either a great tackle or a linebacker. And I would expect that defense will be the focus. You're right. I am not one to uh, not tell doing Mr. It. Dorsey. Yeah, what great. he should or Griffin's should not be doing. Yeah, what he's been doing that, lately. That, that doesn't make great content, though. If we just say every answer <laughs> to every question is going to be, oh, let's just trust in Dorsey. We have to throw around some opinions in here. Let's go next. Fact or fiction. Number two, the Browns should draft an offensive tackle in the first three rounds. Yes, I'm saying the Browns should. Well, this one I can this say. This one I can say fiction, regardless of the of the verbiage here. Again, this is predicated on the Browns re-signing Greg Robinson. I believe if you re-sign Greg Robinson, you've got Desmond Harrison here. You probably can add a veteran if you like to a swing tackle in free agency. 
or add one in rounds four, five, six, or seven. We've seen a lot of good teams draft linemen later on as developmental guys. I don't think the Browns, after drafting an offensive lineman last year in the second round with the first pick of the second round who didn't see the field, need to use a valuable resource again at a position where you don't expect them to see the field right away. I think there are other glaring needs, but again, my answer being fiction is predicated upon the fact that the Browns re-sign Greg Robinson. Yeah, I'm going to go fiction on this as well because not because I don't necessarily agree with the whole line of thinking about that you're you're in decent shape with with what you bring back. Even with Greg Robinson, I still think it's room to get better depth wise. And I would advocate drafting a left tackle in those first three rounds if that player is the best player available on your board. I just don't think that's going to happen because I think when the Browns are on the clock at, with the 17th pick, that's the only part in the draft where you're going to maybe get your guaranteed starter when it's a left tackle. Otherwise, they're, they're probably got some work to do. I just don't think there's going to be a guy there at number 17 that you can pick and trust that they will win that left tackle job. And then after the second and third round, I just think you can better use your picks elsewhere to get more immediate impact players on a team that wants to be in the playoffs in 2019. Now, you mentioned it. We talked about it on Browns Daily, Nathan, though. Just the way the Patriots have built up their offensive line. I mean, undrafted guys, guys in the fourth and fifth round and day three guys. And I think that's really when you have the quarterback who gets the ball out, because if everybody's saying that Greg Robinson was the weak link on the line, and that's some of the stuff that you'll read online. The Browns gave up the fewest number of quarterback hits in the league over the last eight weeks by like 22. I think the Colts were second at 29. The Browns were at seven. So if you're telling me that Greg Robinson isn't that good, that says to me we can put in another person who's not that good and be just fine on the offensive line. Now, if Greg Robinson actually is good, then we keep him, et cetera. But I know the good folks over at Pro Football Focus did a, a research study on the left tackle position. And here's kind of what they said in terms of how much it means to victories uh, at that position. And basically the gist is it's an important position. Having an elite left tackle is not necessary. An elite left tackle maybe gives you an, a half a win a year compared to an average guy who gives you about a quarter of a win a year. You don't want to have a bottom of the league left tackle that can lose you a game a year. But we're talking about very minuscule differences here. And I think that the resources in the way the NFL game's evolving are best spent on people who touch the football repeatedly. I agree. Next. Ha! Fact or fiction. The Browns are better off getting a wide receiver through free agency or a trade rather than the draft. Mr. Gribble? I'm going to go with fact on this one in terms of if you want someone that's going to make an immediate impact for this season, odds are it's going to come through free agency because these wide receivers, they take a long time to develop with what with the way the game has changed from the college level to the NFL. And I know we talk about the college game is, is morphing more into the NFL, but I think route concepts and kind of the technicalities of what wide receivers are asked to do is become a big leap. I mean, we've seen it across the league. These first-round picks are not having it easy. I do think you should do both, though. I think that this team should probably resign Brashad Perriman add another veteran, and then go after some of these guys in, in maybe the third, fourth round, develop them, and, and, and let them learn and grow behind some, some true veterans on this team. I think it depends what you want. Like when you're saying, are you bettering off getting a wide receiver? There really aren't any wide receiver ones, it seems like, maybe in this draft, maybe DK Metcalf. But this team, you have Callaway, who could really become, I think, a very special 1A or number 2. You've got Landry, who fills that role, can play inside, outside for you. But what you don't have is that big, prototypical superstar one. Now, maybe Brashad Perriman picks up where he left off and can do that for you. But I'm talking about getting a surefire stud number 1 receiver. 
the problem is there aren't any of those available in free agency this year. Your best free agent receivers are probably Golden Tate. Um, you've got Devin Funchess, but who if if they're yeah. letting him leave Carolina, a place where they need receivers, they just used a first round pick on a receiver, DJ Moore. You know he's probably not the answer. John Brown doesn't have the size that you're looking for. There isn't that guy. Tyrell Williams, I think, is an interesting name, but again, would be more of a role player. If you want to try to get a star in here at wide receiver, it's going to have to be via a trade. That's really, I think, the only option to add a star receiver to this roster headed into the 2019 season. Now, who's available? I don't know, but we've seen teams start to trade a little bit more like it's the NBA here, so maybe the Browns can make a move. And I mean, I don't know if he's available or not, but I wouldn't mind seeing uh, Mike Evans come here. <laughs> be nice. Boy, you got a, you got a nice little wish list there, yeah, don't you? Not? Aim high. Let's go. You have the resources and you have the capital to pull off something like you that. You have the money. And one thing at one point I want to make on this is if you ever were going to go, this is the time to get a high-priced guy. Because if you bring somebody in high-priced, it's really a two-year deal. You're not paying Baker. You're not paying Miles. You're not paying Denzel Ward. Miles will have to pay probably in two years, but you have the fifth-year option. So maybe it's three years. This is your window to spend money. And then when those guys come off the books, you pay your guys and have to kind of complement the team around them. But the way that the Rams got so good so quickly is they took advantage of the fact that you still had Goff on his rookie deal. And even though he's a number one pick, it's still below market value for a player of his, of his caliber. And then you're able to sign Robert Woods, sign Brandon Cook, sign Indomitian Sue, Akib Tlaib, trade for Marcus Peters. And all of a sudden, they got really good in a hurry. And I think for the Browns, that's the model that they're going to have to follow or want to follow in the next few years. So if you're going to make an aggressive trade or make an aggressive move, now's the time to do it. Yeah, and this is the time, though, you got to do some fact-finding. you got to see, you got to find the guys that not only are really good and deserve that money, but are going to play just as well, if not better, when they get that money. Because that 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 is a game-changer with a lot of these players in the NFL. And I, I honestly don't blame some of these guys. I think it's natural, but you 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 can't just throw that money at a player and be like, all right, I think we're going to be better. you got to get the right player. And I think that's what John Dorsey did so well this past offseason. You got guys that were still hitting their prime rather than guys that were past their prime. Yep. Next. Fact or fiction. If you were NFL prospect Kalen Saunders – you would have stayed at the Senior Bowl instead of joining your fiance for the birth of your first child. Now you're both what? you're both parents. This this happened. Yeah, I'm going. He, he stayed at the Senior Bowl rather than going to meet his fiance in Chicago for the what's, birth of their first child. What's his What's his kind of projection? Do we know what is? He will be at the NFL Combine. Okay. So so we okay. Uh, I mean, I would be with my fiance for the birth of my first child. I think that I don't think that anybody would look down upon that. I would understand the I understand the rationale of him saying I need to stay because that way I can provide for the best life for this child. But your child being born is a pretty special thing, and I think it, you would you want to be there. I, I'm going with a big fiction on this one. So you got to be where your, your child's being born. I will add this though: the Senior Bowl is one thing because there's guys who don't go to the Senior Bowl by choice, and it doesn't work against them in the draft process. Combine. If this was the combine, yeah, you have to start thinking about it, and that's where it applies to the better life for your family argument. But you do everything in yeah. your power to go. There's no be, be with be with your uh, fiance to to see the birth of your child because that's gonna your, your child's gonna be with you forever. This NFL yes. thing is just a small part of your life. Yes, agreed. All right, spoken from two fathers, <laughs> and I have stepdaughters, so. All good. This is all on YouTube. <laughs> all good. Next. Fact or fiction. 
Dwayne Haskins is the best player coming out of Ohio State in this year's class. Zagura, you're making an ugly face. Well, fiction, because I would imagine Nick Bosa is going to be the number one pick in the draft, and I would say that he would be the best player coming out of Ohio State in this year's draft class. In terms of making an impact? Nick Bosa, I, don't, I have not seen, and I could be wrong, but I have not seen anyone that has Dwayne Haskins listed as a better prospect than Nick Bosa this year. And I think Nick Bosa is going to end up going number one overall. Don't you? I mean, it's working out. He plays that way. a more I mean, important position, but this says best player. I think Nick Bosa is the best player. I will. I, I agree with Nathan that Nick Bosa is the best player. I think that Dwayne Haskins is going to be the more important player in their career. And I think it's the, he will have the most impact on whichever franchise commits to him because someone is going to trade up to get him whatever gm does that is putting their job on the line based on dwayne haskins if you're the cardinals and you draft nick bosa and he doesn't turn out to be all that good it's not really held against you as much as a guy that is putting his stake in dwayne haskins whether it be the giants who are moving on who would be moving on from eli manning or the jaguars who think they should be in the playoffs this year i think that dwayne haskins is the more impactful, important Ohio State player in the draft this year. If they both reach their potential, Dwayne Haskins will have a bigger impact on this franchise. I agree with that because of the position he plays. Yep. Okay. Yeah. All right. Bosa's the I, best I, player. You know, I, I understood. And when I was putting it together, I said, you know, I, I get that Bosa's going to be number one, but is Haskins more valuable a, a pick than Bosa coming out in this year's draft? He's, he's a franchise changer. Because he's, you, he's, your, he's yeah. your quarterback, and odds are he's going to be the first quarterback taken in the draft. And like I mentioned earlier, odds are whatever team gets him probably is going to be trading up to get him. Yep. Next, Kyler Murray will be a top 10 pick in this year's draft. Nathan. Fact. Quarterbacks rule. It's all about quarterbacks. If somebody falls in love with them, you go up there and you get them. I'm going with fiction on this one for a couple of reasons. Kyler Murray is not Baker Mayfield, but he's that he and it's and it's more it's it's to me it's more than just the throwing, it's the size. I think that this guy is legitimately much smaller than Baker Mayfield, who we view we viewed Baker Mayfield as being one of the smaller quarterbacks in the entire league. This guy is a level smaller than, than Baker Mayfield. Yeah, that's the first thing. Two, I just think that this draft this year is so different in terms of the amount of teams that feel like they need to go get a first-round quarterback. There aren't many. And even the ones that we're, like, lumping in there and thinking they need to get a quarterback in the first round might not do it. Like, I think the Miami Dolphins probably going to move on from Ryan Tannehill, but they are looking at, like, a Browns 2016-type rebuild where they might be waiting for next year to get yes. the quarterback. So I think that – I just don't think the market is ripe enough there, and I think that both Dwayne Haskins and maybe – if you pick between Drew Locke and, and Daniel Jones, one of those guys might go ahead of Kyler Murray. I just think the more they talk to this guy, the more they examine how he really is going to fit in these NFL offenses as opposed to just being the next big thing from college that they think is going to work. I, I just don't see it happening. All right, final one. Facts or fiction. The opening night draft coverage by ABC's College Game Day crew will be more popular than both the ESPN and NFL Network broadcasts. Now, ABC, it's a new deal now. ABC is going to show Thursday and Friday and then simulcast Saturday. And ABC will be using the ESPN College Game Day talent to host the draft. I'm going to go with fiction. Go ahead. I'm going with fiction on Your face is fantastic, by the way. (laughs) Uh, Because I think that clearly College Game Day, niche group, not niche, but like 
College football fans love College Game Day. It's an incredibly popular show, incredibly successful year after year. It's very good. But on draft night, I want to hear from the guy, the draft experts. And I know that those guys know those players as college players, but I want to hear from the guys who know how these guys will fit in the NFL. Transit. And that's yep. maybe that won't translate, maybe because ABC is the, the bigger reach. But I, I just think the, the NFL fans are still going to want to hear from ESPN and NFL Network. So the reason I had that look on my face is because I didn't even know this was happening, first of all. So I consider myself to be fairly aware of things around the draft. So if I didn't know about it, I'm going to guess that there are probably other people that didn't know this was happening. And you're trained at this point to either say, I like the ESPN guys, I like Kuiper and McShay, or I want to watch the NFL guys with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks and, and Charles Davis. It, it will guys. be interesting with, no, uh, with the fact that NFL Network doesn't have Mayock. Right, and how much that hurts. General manager, I mean, right, Jeremiah is really good, but he's you know, ready. He's Mayock ready to step up. He's yeah. ready to step into but the, the line. But was one of those guys. I mean, right at the very top, he was. I, I think it's just it's been years. I mean, it's trained behavior, and now you're asking people to switch up. And to your point, it's not about what they were in college as much as it is how they translate to the National Football League and what it means for your team that they got this guy and how he fits. So. Yeah, I, I I don't believe Listen, it'll be more popular. It could be though. I mean, maybe Lee Corso is going to put on some cool get ups, and people are going to love it. Listen, I don't know. Listen, I'm a traditionalist with my annual programming. If I'm watching the draft coverage, give me Mel Kiper Jr. Yeah. It's not. It's my one time year. He needs to be there. It's like when you, it's like back in, in, uh, a few years ago, New Year's Eve. You're watching Dick Clark. You're not going to these other channels. You're going to Dick Clark's Rock and Eve. You're watching the main face. <laughs> Now of the draft right now secret now because you're going you're going to the the face of it and as mel kuyper he has earned that distinction i think great hair and you can't argue with that i just think asking some it, it's not broken i i don't feel like the draft coverage has been broken so there's i realize you want to innovate and try to cash in on this but i don't know and then the other thing is the truth you know this draft is gonna be so much different for us as Browns fans and Browns employees than anything we've ever been a part of. It's like we don't even have to get tuned in until 9.30 or 10 o'clock when we actually make a pick, you know? It's like. How many more channels can we get the draft on? Like, but pretty soon we'll, we'll we have the HGTV be, angle from drafts. Like, <laughs> it, it's too much. Let's, let's, uh, they, they did NFL Network a solid by having it on two networks, but. My I, question I, was who was fine. clamoring for this? Like, who was the audience that was like. I don't I know, but aren't ABC and ESPN competing against each other and they're owned together? Yeah, but they're Basically, just saying yeah. they're, we're, we're going to sell – we get all that advertising money, so it's just us trying to, like, go two-on-one against – Yeah, but like, you're selling against your I, – I don't know. You're programming against your own people. You're selling against your own Cannibalization. people. Cannibalization. not really sure if that makes all the sense in the world. I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I don't know who was like, man, I got to have that. I got it. This is what I need. Zagura, a pleasure. Oh, what a treat. What a treat indeed. We look and forward. that is a fact. Yes. It was a treat. All right. Let's get into a little mock draft action here. We're going to go through these. We'll, we'll pick out some fun ones every week. We'll pick out some wild ones, and uh, we'll go through them right now and, and just kind of get your thoughts, Gribs, on this stuff. We'll start with R.J. White from CBS Sports. The interesting thing with all of these now that we're starting to see is now that Kyler Murray's decided he's in play – we're starting to see a lot of three quarterbacks, four quarterbacks off the board, which is great news if you're the Cleveland Browns picking at 17. 
But I see a lot more offensive linemen and defensive backs being selected here or mocked to the Browns. Yeah, and I think it might be a, a result of one we're going to – I think we're going to see even more now that Jeffrey Simmons is probably going to get pulled out of being projected to the Browns. But I think it's it's falling in line with kind of the strengths of the draft, and I think that's why the Browns are in the position. They're, they're looking they're, – it's it's there's a couple positions that are just not getting projected to the Browns but outside of that it really does look like all these guys are going with best player available and I think that's where it just seems to be falling in line here yeah RJ White from CBS Sports has offensive tackle Andre Dillard from Washington State I believe a senior bowl participant. Yeah, and he he's a guy that Daniel Jeremiah especially is really high on. Uh, he calls him, and I think that it's a consensus view that this guy is the best pass protecting left tackle in the draft. And I think what's going to be uh, his area to work on majorly is in the running game. And I think that that's with the way the NFL is going. I mean, that's where uh, this guy's stock rises up pretty high. I think that in the past teams were maybe a little more reluctant with that Washington State offense because it was such a big change to go to the NFL. Now there's a lot more offenses looking like Washington State's. And so I think that he's fitting in to kind of the the modern NFL. And in this mock draft and in others I've seen, it looks like there could be a run on tackles in kind of that middle of the draft where the Browns are because you look at the Redskins, Panthers, Browns, Vikings, all those teams could probably use a guy like that. No question. Ryan Wilson from CBS Sports has Greedy Williams. The first time I've seen that one pop up, defensive back from LSU. Yeah, he's considered one of the more talented defensive backs, and I think in the early installment of these mocks, he, he, this this was something that was going top five. And I think that it's going to be, I think with some of these cornerbacks, they've been all over the place. I think it's going to be a matter of preference. But, I mean, this is a, this is a guy that's super athletic, fits the mold of what you want in a cornerback, and it's the, the LSU – the, the tradition that they have of just consistently churning out these kind of guys. You mentioned it with Williams, you know, being a, being some top five talk at one time, and it's early. This is we're eleven weeks out from from draft day, um, but I take a look at, at at Greedy Williams and some of these guys falling, and obviously quarterback is a position of need for a number of teams, and that's why we're talking about three quarterbacks and four quarterbacks maybe off the board, but. You know, it's an offensive line draft. It's a defensive line draft, too. And, and you just wonder how many teams are, are going to just go best available or they have a specific need going into this draft. And they're willing to overlook maybe a guy who's ranked much higher because they have a need at that, at a specific position. Yeah, and, and it's, it's interesting because, you know, most teams don't draft – DBs at number four like the Browns did last year. Correct. This is the more this is the more normal spot you see corners going, and I, I think it's I, I think one of these guys could slip, and I think that the Browns would not hesitate. I, I think that that is a position, even though the team has done so much work to to fix that defensive backfield. You bring in a new defensive coordinator; he's got a big experience with with defensive backs. You, you wonder how much his input his his feelings will matter when it comes to these picks guys that he might like and really thinks can fit in his system and if you get another top corner to put it alongside Denzel Ward you're in really good shape I totally agree you cannot have enough defensive backs yeah I, I mean you I saw it I mean Terrence Mitchell had, was having a great season and then he, it just went away and he didn't even have a normal defensive back injury I mean these guys usually have hamstrings ankles Sure. The Denzel concussions happen a lot with these guys. He didn't even have a traditional injury. I think outside of that injury, I thought the Browns remained kind of healthy at that position relatively 
compared to a lot of our teams where I remember back in 2015 when the Browns went up to Pittsburgh with maybe the the worst cast of defensive <laughs> backs that they could have possibly had out there and, and gave up 500 yards plus 100 more pass interference yards. I mean, it can get – one injury can just ruin your entire game plan. What are your guys telling you about Jonah Williams, offensive lineman from Alabama? Maurice Jones-Drew has him coming to the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, I mean, he's he's another one that was early on projected a lot higher. And I, I think the, the polarizing aspect of Jonah Williams is that there are some people out there that don't think he can play left tackle in the NFL and that would be better suited as an interior lineman. Uh, I don't know if I fall in that line of thinking. I think he's really good. This more makes me think, what what is the future of these mock drafts going to look like when if when we think and if it happens that the Browns re-sign Greg Robinson? Do, does all of a sudden that take offensive tackle away from the Browns? Because I don't know if it affects it one way or the other. I, I think if, if clearly the best player available is a tackle, you go and get it because Austin Corbett is clearly not going to be your left tackle moving forward. He's, he's, he's lined up to be an interior lineman for this team in the future. Greg Robinson had a really good season last year, worthy of an extension, but do you tie, tie everything into him being your left tackle and maybe Desmond Harrison emerging as well? Do you, is that, are you good with that? Or do you, do you add another piece to that sure. group? Yeah. So it's, it's, it's something that'll, I am, I imagine that the reaction in these mock drafts will lead to, take tackle away from Browns if they resign Greg Robinson, but I don't know if that's necessarily the case. All right, Gribbs. Episode 1 of 11 is officially in the books. Next week, we will bring you our uh, our combine preview, and then two weeks from now, uh, it'll be our NFL combine show from Indianapolis. We'll do the podcast from Indianapolis and uh, hoping for some big names to join us there, and you know, hopefully next week uh, we'll give you a little insider perspective of what the thought process is from this building going into the draft. Yeah, it's the Combine is so much more than what you see on, on TV, and we'll, we'll try to provide some insight on, on what goes on behind the scenes. We want to thank Charles Davis from the NFL Network and Fox. We want to thank Nathan Zagura for my co-host, Andrew Gribble. I'm Jason Gibbs. Thanks for listening to the best podcast available.